Welcome to the Flip Angels podcast. As always, I'm your host, Rob Fitzhugh, and in this podcast, we talk about all things failure. We chat about the stuff in business that nearly broke us, the stuff we thought we couldn't survive. We talk about the mistakes people made and how they managed to flip that failing, learning from it. This podcast is for any business owner or budding entrepreneur looking to learn from the failure and eventual success of others. In this week's pod, we chat with Megan Best from Native Events. Megan has been working in the events industry for over 10 years with a focus on sustainable events. Megan's decision to pivot to sustainable events at first seemed like a bold idea in the eyes of people in the industry. People didn't realize how important it would be and didn't have the vision to see how essential sustainability in events would become. It wasn't an easy road to get to where they are now, oftentimes learning some steep lessons on the way. We pick up with Megan and Native Events with the events industry effectively shut down for a long period of time. Megan explains how this has benefited her growth and more importantly, how she has time to reflect on her previous failings. Uh, so my name is Megan Best. Um, I'm the managing director of Native Events, which is the sustainable event solutions company. Uh, we were founded in 2017 because as events organizers ourselves, we realized that we were really struggling to get sustainable infrastructure, equipment, expertise, knowledge going in the um, Irish sector. Done a lot of work overseas and seen what was happening internationally in terms of progress in that area um, in climate action and sustainable infrastructure, I guess. Um, and just wanted to start bringing it home to Ireland. So invested heavily um, originally in solar arrays and batteries so that we could start offering renewable alternatives to events and um, have been kind of growing into the consultancy advocacy space uh, over the last couple of years. Uh, we do like sustainability strategies and roadmaps for events and arts organizations and so on. And we're also developing things like reusable um, solutions for events um, and kind of more- In all your economy, time that you've put this together, uh, this, solutions, this, I guess, this move from, uh, in, into sustainability, Obviously, the, the nature of this podcast is about failure. It's about educating people on the mistakes that we've made and learning from them. And I was wondering, do you have any specific periods of time? Because obviously, I would imagine even when you started off in the sustainable front and people were like, yeah, isn't that quaint, but we don't need you at the moment. You'd be kind of like, what have I what have I geared myself up for here? <laughs> um, but, it, but you know, like, is this something people want? But um, given it now and, and where you are now is there anything that would have happened to you in the past where you would have said this is going to be a disaster and then you realize in hindsight looking back that you learned a lot from it or maybe you know the right things or the wrong things oh robert you're talking to somebody who ran large-scale music festivals for like more than 10 years we have made tons of mistakes i have made so many i could write a book <laughs> <laughs> um but if you want me to give you a specific example and actually it does resign, re, um, relate directly to the sustainability piece but in in a way or from an angler perspective that you might not um, expect. So, I mean, as I say, I was uh, run, I've got two examples actually um, of large scale festival management that could have gone and in some cases went a bit awry or went a bit mad. Um, many, many years ago, oh, how, to, how, to, how, to, how to start this story? <laughs> um, so, being a, a festival organizer, generally speaking in this country, in Ireland, most of us come from Dublin or work in Dublin and then take our entire team and go to some beautiful estate somewhere in uh, some rural or remote area um, in the middle of Ireland and bring in a, a pack of urbanites essentially uh, to work on a piece of land that tends to be gorgeous, tends to be very hard to get to by public transport in this country. Um, and tend to not really have a good understanding of how the land might react to the likes of 10 or 20,000 people um, walking on it, plus a load of trucks and all of the infrastructure that goes, goes along with putting on events, especially in um, 
times of very heavy weather. And that has happened to me a number of times. I mean, any event organizer in this country will tell you that they've worked at, in some horrendous weather conditions. The plowing championships for, is an example that jumps to mind a couple of years ago when the wind came in and basically flattened the whole thing. And I mean, I've worked at electric picnic in the tail end of a hurricane more on more than one occasion. But I remember a couple of years, the, quite early on in my career, um, working at an event and we realized like the the build of the event was like really wet and driving around and putting up the fences and everything else we realized that it was really really wet and actually the day before the event was due to open we were looking at um, one of the main entrances where the public were coming in was completely unusable because it was so waterlogged so we had to lift all of the infrastructure that we'd put in there, like the ticket cabins and everything else, and bring them to another part of the site the day of the event. So that was an incredibly stressful time and redesigned the routes, lost one of the gates, had to re redraw all the maps in the time, in like a 12 hour time frame because we had to reposition our, our security and everything else. There's so many different interacting things that go on at a festival um, and something like a big impact like that changes so much more on the outside of them, just the gate itself being unusable. So that was a learning curve. And I mean, even as the public were coming in and they were changing their tickets and they, we were diverting them down towards their campsites, they were actually breaking the fence lines of the festival to find higher ground because they were like the water, the campsites were completely waterlogged and it was really surreal. We were just watching them expand our festival line that we had carefully built because they had to find drier spaces to camp. Um, we ended up being able to put on a safe event, but it was a huge learning curve. And yeah, as I say, very surreal. Um, and we just got away with it by the skin of our teeth. But the same thing happened on the same site. I don't know, maybe four years later. Now, obviously, we'd learned so much at that particular event. Um, and we knew which areas were wet and everything else. And we were like, OK, so now we've got a bit of a blueprint. We know how to do this event. But it had grown um, in the interim over the years. It had grown in popularity. So we were at this event and the rain actually, it wasn't for the build that it was raining. It was actually over the course of the weekend itself, but it started on the Saturday night. I don't know how many of like camping events you've been to, but um, when it rains heavily at a camping event, it's a bit miserable because everybody's staying in a tent. I think you I was know? at that electric picnic with the tail end of the hurricane one. Yeah. The one time I went and we had one of those low, you know, the low tents that are almost like a sleeping bag with a, with a ceiling. Yeah. We had one of those and it was flooded. And I, I distinctly remember this. I reached out of the tent to reach something and somebody walked by and just went, oh, there's of somebody course. actually in there as if it was just <laughs> real pathetic. And I remember it's the one time I've ever been to Electric Picnic. And I remember we left because it was uh, it was too wet. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, so I could understand. And the plate, the campsite was destroyed. I was also at uh, Oxygen, I think, where people were setting. There was one that was really bad storm. It was during a World Cup mm. and people were setting tents on fire and and with tents were blowing away because of the wind but the mm. entire i can imagine the frustration the entire campsite turned into um basically like just a mud pit and um, harsh harsh you know. conditions yeah yeah yeah, yeah and, and it really brings out the tribalism in in in, in <laughs> certain people do you know what i mean because you're like okay we've got six tents no now we've got three and three of them are on fire and one is blown away and you're like what yeah. are you doing but uh <laughs> yeah so i can imagine that 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 and and in, in terms of, of of people expanding beyond that line mm. um you are, I am assuming you, you have no way of controlling 10 to 20,000 people once that Not decision really. is made by them. Not really. No, it's literally just running around after after them and re redoing the fence lines once they've got they've decided on where their plots were, which is what we did. 
Um, yeah, and I mean, like it, that was that was a, a mistake in the pre-planning in terms of us not really having a good handle and knowing what the land does and how it responds, you know, in those kind of times of heavy weather to those kind of conditions where you've got like heavy infrastructure and everything else. And oh, sorry, can you hear no, that? No, no, yeah, yeah, it's kind yeah, yeah, cool. Um, and then, as I say, like one of the things that we tried to do with that festival and with the team was that we would try to never make the same mistake twice. You know, at the end of every process, we'd have a debrief meeting, which were always terrible because it's an opportunity for the entire team to tell you how terribly you've managed it and it's all your fault. And that these are all of the things that went wrong and you try and make sure that they never happen again because you try to learn from those experiences. But what happened then, as I say, maybe four or five years after the first time that we had um, Armageddon <laughs> was the festival had grown, which was great, and we were um, we were accommodating a much bigger capacity, both in terms of crew and staff and um, as well and artists as well as the audiences. But what happened was it started raining, as I say, on the Saturday night. It rained all the way through Sunday. People started leaving in droves um, as they do because the place was really damp and. Like we were all doing double shifts to try and coordinate everybody on the ground, like sending out with gravel and wood chip to try and keep pathways and roadways open, so on and so forth, which was an experience in itself. But what I learned was that as a festival, we had been working in that space for a good seven years at that point. And we realized that we were not going to be able to get all of the cars out of the public car park. The campsites themselves were bad enough, but we were managing so on. But the cars were getting, the car parks were getting really waterlogged. And we were going to need to call in local support in the form of, and you probably saw them at Electric Picnic that year as well, the local farmers with their tractors and because they can operate in any kind of conditions. So on the Sunday morning, I was there and I was ringing around to all of these local farmers. And I, I did, I, like I managed to get my hands on the phone numbers for um, neighboring landowners and farmers. I'd say I rang at least 100 people in the local area, in the locality and in the county to go, have you got a tractor? Can you come to us and help us in this festival and help us get all of these cars out? Because otherwise we're not, we're actually physically not going to be able to do it. And I mean, the mistake lay in the fact that we hadn't spent enough time developing those local relationships, knowing, getting to know the local community, getting to know who does what and where and what time. Also not really realizing that that time of the year is when they do a lot of their harvesting. So they were yeah. actually really flat out with their own work at the time. So we were asking them to come and give us a dig out. We'd never really built the relationships with them in the first place. And they were like, well, I've got a load of my own work to do here. And this is not the right time for me to be sending yeah, staff you're, off you're, to you. Your, your, your planning is not my problem. If you know, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and the only way that they were relating to the festival was the amount of disruption that we had yeah, caused over the is. years in terms of traffic and in terms of residents and noise and everything. So we're like, what do you mean you need our help? So it ended up, I suppose, the long and the short of it is it ended up being very costly for the gig. Um, it was a it was a hard, hard slog. And we, we really learned a huge amount about what the, the value of local relationships and the value of that relationship building. I mean, in the years following that, I, ha I drank, I'd say, probably about 500 cups of tea in various farmers kitchens all around the yeah, area yeah yeah. yeah yeah you know and, and like really building those relationships and just getting to know the people around the place and know what their schedules are you know know when, when they're busy and the routes that they take so that we wouldn't impact on them anymore and we could start to work together with them and, and, so, would, and would your knowledge of 
their situation have a, a an impact or had an impact on the way the event was structured? So I suppose if 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 if, if a group of people are telling you like, listen, you're you're too close to this tree line and it's causing unnecessary havoc across the board, I mean, is there has there been that level of of impact where you're like, listen, we need to actually make some certain changes to accommodate not only the scenery but also the the community hugely yeah and that's it exactly i mean th those learnings and getting to know those people and getting to understand what's going on for them and the men and actually really getting into that level of granular detail on the disruption that's caused and really ga gaining an understanding from them about how we might mitigate that or how we might contribute to the community in, in another way ended up being really enriching both for the event and for the local community. I mean, one of the things that we did was we activated a new car park and worked with the landowner in terms of the lighting and security that went on there. And that actually mitigated the amount of people that were breaking into the festival, funnily enough, across his fields and leaving a trail of litter and disruption behind them, you know, and that ha actually happened in a couple of places and in the environs. And one of the other things that was a result of it was that we learned about the community, like developing the community relationships. And what we started doing was instead of just like, and actually we did this as well. I mean, we give tickets to the local neighbors that the traffic management plan impacted on and so, so on and so forth. But what we also did was we donated a number of tickets that the local communities were able to raffle. And the money that they raised from that, they donated back to their own local um, charities. So it was a really like, a, a really nice way to, um, support local communities and support what they what what their direct needs were decided by them, but but by the festival coming in from outside and learning from them and understanding them. So oh, that's really good. Learnings. I mean, experiences. But um, so so now looking back, uh, Megan. Now looking back, what advice would you give yourself? What simple advice would you give yourself? Um, yeah, and this is something that like luckily I've had the opportunity to reflect on. It's literally building those local relationships from the very outset. If you're going to be an events organizer in a given space, see what's going on in the local space, chat to the people that are there, allow a little bit of time and a little bit of resource because and not to be carried away by that whole I'm putting on a live event and I have to meet several deliverables at once and we're all very very busy 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 people but actually a build in a little bit of time and a bit of responsibility for yourself to make those local connections to understand what's happening in the local area and really allow a little bit of time to build those bonds and those trusts and those relationships because they're key and that's actually where the sustainability comes back into it because if you look at sustainability through a systems lens you'll understand that everything is connected and all of those little those little bits and pieces and nodes in the system, all those local actors and everything else that interact with each other. It's actually the interactions and the relationships where you'll find the gold. And that's how you do sustainability really, in my opinion. Absolutely fascinating chat with Megan from Native Events. Um, as somebody who works in the events industry himself, I find it absolutely fascinating. The switch towards sustainability is, is, is a, a must need for the industry and it's great to see people like Megan out there pushing us in bold new directions. It's also great to hear about the things that Megan failed at and how she's able to flip those into um, learnings and teachings which she's able to make her business better nowadays. Um, thank you so much for your time and your support. As always, I'm your host, Rob Fitzhugh, and this has been the Flip Angels Podcast. If you're looking for help with your business, if you're looking to sidestep some potential failures, feel free to book a consultation with your preferred expert or talent hero on our Flip Angels webpage. That webpage will be in the description below. Um, and learn uh, from the experts and learn from their mistakes so that you can sidestep some of your own. Thanks so much. See you next time. Bye.